Hello, everyone, and welcome to Behind the Sermon, where two pastors get into all things preaching and practical ministry. I'm joined across the table by my compadre, confrere, and partner in crime, Todd Lovell. Todd, how are you? Andrew, I'd just like to welcome everybody to uh, this week's uh, Star Wars The Force Awakens spoiler cast as we talk about all the spoilers of the, the new Star Wars movie. Nathan, Nathan, put down your lightsaber. No, I. in all seriousness, this will be a spoiler-free podcast. Spoiler-free, everybody. Spoiler-free. Don't worry. If we make reference to Star Wars, it will only be in the most vague and general of ways. Nathan is here with us, too, or as we refer to him, the man who does not speak. Nathan, how are you today? It seems like you're doing all right to me. Yeah, yeah. So come along with us as we go together behind the sermon. Okay, Todd. Well, here we are in Christmas week itself. Uh... Advent uh, 4, the fourth Sunday of Advent, has come and gone, and we are staring down the barrel of Christmas Eve. Bring it on. Yeah, bring it on. Man, it's been a long time coming. I mean, you know, man, we say this every year, I'm sure somebody says this, but, like, it's been really quick. The fact that, like, you know, All Saints Day, Thanksgiving, and then, you know, Advent and all this stuff that involves with that has just gone by really fast. It really has, and I know we we touched on this last week. It's just such a busy time. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a wonderful time. It's a it's kind of blessed busyness, but it's busyness all the same. Yeah, it's great energy in the church too. So I'm really looking forward to uh, the Christmas Eve services and Christmas Day, and then uh, our upcoming uh, Sunday on the 27th here. Todd, this is the first time that I've had to really kind of ask you the questions, kind of put you in the hot seat in a few weeks. And uh, we could spend our time talking about Christmas Eve. Um, I'll be preaching those services. What I really want to do is to stay with our Sunday focus and focus on uh, Sunday the 28th. Is that right, Todd? It's the 27th. 27th. Well, I guess you know why I'll I'm preach now. it again on the 28th if you want. <laughs> That's right. I guess you know now why I'm taking that Sunday off. <laughs> you are, you know, you, you know when you've it is. already taken that Sunday <laughs> off. I'm, I'm already not here on that Sunday. Um, you're going to be preaching a sermon on the middle. That's the title of the sermon. Right. And the text that you've chosen comes from the first chapter of Paul's letter to the Colossians. It is. It is. Uh, so I'll be pulling pretty pretty heavily from the first chapter of uh, Colossians and also from the first chapter of John. Colossians and John are, are two of my favorite books of the Bible. Um, I think John is is incredible uh, as far as the the type of symbolism and the, the spiritual reading that he does of uh, the Incarnation just the life of Jesus is, is very um, formative for my own spiritual uh, development. Uh, Colossians is, at least the beginning of Colossians, is very much in that same vein. And so um, I'm tying those together and focusing on, uh, you mentioned that the, the title of the sermon is, is The Middle, focusing on uh, something very tangible. I'm focusing on the nativity set, which is something we've been building all Advent season long. Uh-huh. Um, each Sunday, we add uh, another piece or two pieces to that to that nativity set in our sanctuary, which is uh, it's right below the nativity table is right below the, the altar there. And so we've been adding that and sort of building that out as we also light, you know, the Advent wreath candles and all the things building up to, to Christmas Day. Well, let me ask you a question real quickly. Um, for for people that are not familiar with a nativity set, sure, paint an image in people's minds of what a nativity set looks like. Well, this is this is what's really uh, fascinating to me because as I've 
thought about this sermon and I've thought about more about um, the the sort of context of the sermon or the direction of the sermon, I guess, uh, the idea that the title is the middle. I've actually looked at a bunch of nativity sets, and there's actually tons of different variations on that, okay? The the characters, for the most part, are the same. Usually you have three wise men, um, some sort of beast of burden that brought them there, right? So a camel happens to be the one that's in our um, it's in our nativity set. You have, uh, and, and they're usually on one side. Now, flanked on the other side, you usually have shepherds of some sort, you know, uh-huh. one or two, and they're usually... Um, um, either holding a lamb or there's a lamb close by, something like that. Uh, you usually have some sort of angel or a star that's sort of over the whole set. You have the Holy Family, Mary and Joseph, um, that are sort of flanking uh, the, the baby Jesus um, right in the middle. Strangely enough, like we mentioned last week, and you, you just preached on this past week as well, no Elizabeth, no Zechariah, even though yeah. Luke devotes a ton of time to them, um, none of that's there. But so when I when I say nativity, I, I'm going to be speaking pretty directly to um, our nativity set that we have here at First Church. But also, you, you get a lot of variations uh, on that and different different sort of permutations of that uh, as you look cross culturally um, and even within our own culture. The the one thing that I think is is very uh, powerful though, and it's something I'm, I'm at least I'm hope it's powerful because I'm I'm hedging all my bets on it by preaching on this, is that no matter what configuration you have of the nativity set, no matter what characters are there, the Christ child is always in the middle. Huh. And it sort of harkens back to this thing that we as human creatures have always put the things of most importance in the middle. Okay. The things that we always focus upon um, that we think should be lifted up always tend toward the middle. I mean, you think back to the Middle Ages and where did we think the earth was in the, in the, in the cosmos? Well, we thought the earth was in the middle. Mm-hmm. Why? Because, well, we're on the earth. Right. So obviously we're the most important. Yeah. So we, it must be that the sun and all the other um, celestial bodies revolve around us right. because you know I mean, it makes sense. We're a heck of a lot more important than Neptune. Yeah. I mean, come on. <laughs> come on. Who's going to put Jupiter in the middle? Right. Whatever. And Pluto's not even a planet anymore, so give me a break. I right? know. They yeah. demoted it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still a little sore over that one. Right. So what what is the symbolism then? I mean, I, I guess on one level, the symbolism of why Jesus is in the middle of the nativity set is obvious, but... What kind of angle are you going to be taking on that in your sermon on Sunday? Well, I really like the idea. Um, well, first of all, let me start by saying I, I like the idea of using props. Um, we look at the scriptures and, and all the greatest teachers throughout the scriptures, and, and I think throughout Christian history, have been prop users. Um, and there's something very, um, you know, I, I use the word mystical. There's something very mystical about that, and there's something very sacramental about that. Huh. Now, and now I, when I say sacrament, um, of course, many of us think of either baptism or we think of the Lord's Supper. Those are the two sacraments that we have uh, in the Wesleyan tradition. Um, but, but what I really mean is, because is, what's at the heart of sort of sacramental um, theology and sacramental practice is the idea that God uses ordinary, tangible, physical things to reveal deep mysteries to us. Yes. Right? So uh, what is water, bread, and wine, but, you know, uh, baptism, the Lord's body and blood, mm-hmm. right? And it takes, those are very ordinary things. Those are things you can find all over the world, no matter what culture you're in. Yep. Um, and yet God reveals the deep mysteries um, to us through those. I also think that bleeds over, right? You know, those are sort of the, we talk about the prudential means of grace, right? Like those are sort of the things that 
God has, has guaranteed to reveal himself to us through. Um, but I think that spills over into the rest of creation. Um, and I think the incarnation says something very powerful about this, that because Christ, the second person of the Trinity, has come in the physical body of Jesus Christ as a child, that in some ways all of matter is redeemed, that things now... Um, can become instruments and vehicles of God's grace to us. So, mm. so it is the water and it is, um, it is the bread and the cup, but it can also be other things. And I think if we have sort of a sacramental imagination, we, we can begin to see sort of those things. And that's, that's the reason why I want to lean pretty heavily on, on using the nativity figures themselves uh, on the table, because I think there's a sacramental quality to them. I think there's a way in which these inanimate objects can actually teach us deep mysteries um, about, about Jesus and the incarnation. So it really is then a message about incarnation. It's it really about, is. about yeah. what it means for God to have taken on the flesh of the, of the person of Jesus of Nazareth. It is, it is that, and um, I, I think there's a deep mystery to be, be preached about there. It, it's also, it also says something about um, the way in which when you look at a nativity set, and of course this takes a little bit of imagination, and I've been wrestling with this over the weeks, but when you look at a nativity set, really there's not a single part of creation that's not there. Explain um, what you mean by that. Okay. Well, you have, like I said, you have usually have some sort of animal that's there. Uh-huh. Um, you usually have some sort of either star or angelic being. So there you have both the creatures of earth and the creatures of heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, you have man and woman, right? You have parents who are also virgins, Hmm. Right, so yeah. you have so you have like people who are married um, and that are parents, but then you also have strangely you also have these people that are maybe celibate and they are virgins, right? Uh-huh. Um, you have rich people, you have educated people like the wise, the wise men, men, the, yeah. the magi. You have. Uh, Relatively uneducated and relatively poor people, and the, the shepherds, the rough and tumble um, the, shepherds, the rough and tumble, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, in a, in a way, we have all the that animal sort of creation. You have the animal. The, oh, did the, you may have mentioned that? The, this sure. the earthly creatures. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, in a way, you can sit there and you can use the nativity sacramentally. You can use the nativity set sacramentally to teach you that actually, what you have here is you have um, all of creation sort of caught up in this scene. You know, that's it's it's really interesting when you say that because it reminds me, Todd, of the the teaching that we really embrace about the sacraments, which are that they are outward and visible signs right. of an inward and spiritual grace. They are this kind of spirit-infused matter so that there's right. God, God gives spiritual power through the material things. A lot of that teaching originates in the great uh, 4th and 5th century church father, Augustine of Hippo. Mm-hmm. But in, in St. Augustine's teaching on the sacraments, while he does have a version of this kind of outward and visible sign of the inward and spiritual grace, he doesn't limit his understanding of what is a sacrament to a certain number of things. Right, so yeah, yeah. The Roman Catholic teaching on the seven sacraments, that actually comes from hundreds of years later, from the high Middle Ages. The Protestant understanding of the, the two sacraments is these kind of very biblically rooted teachings of baptism and the Lord's Supper. Right. That comes from even centuries later. You go to a guy like Augustine, and he's willing to talk about all kinds of different things as, uh, as being sacraments because he has this kind of expansive view of God being able to use any material things for spiritual purposes. Right. And so there you sort of have the distinction between what we what you might call sacraments proper, uh-huh. right? Like this, the sacraments that God has, um, at least in the Protestant imagination, what, what God has revealed in the Scripture in the, in the earthly ministry of Jesus, which would be baptism and the Lord's Supper, sort of sacraments proper. 
But that in no way sort of precludes some sort of sacramental element to everything in the earth, right? Uh-huh. That, that all of creation, and we see this so at the Psalms, all of creation is, is pointing to the Creator. All of creation is um, singing praises and is directing the hearts of humanity to back toward um, its Creator. And so th- there's a very sacramental element to all of that. I, I wanted to lift up the, the Colossians passage now and just read a little bit of that, because I think when we, when we think about that sort of sacramental role that creation has, as well as the the nativity set itself and sort of what we see of creation in the nativity set, I think Colossians 1 has something to, to say to us about that. Okay. So I'll just start here in uh, chapter 1, verse 15. It says, "...the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible." Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. So you have that real strong language of the second person of the Trinity, the, the yes. word of God um, being spoken out um, over the waters that we see in Genesis, that the word of God is spoken out and, and creation springs forth uh, from him. And you started out there by saying the sun is the invisible is the image of the invisible God. That's that's just to clarify, that's S O N, the sun meaning the second person yes. of the Trinity. Yes. Not the sun and the, the star in the heavens. Very very much. Yes, thank you. Um, I love this here. Verse 17. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. So what is happening in this nativity scene that we see? Well, at least in the one we have here at First Church, and I would imagine very probably almost all nativity scenes that you would see, every single figure of that nativity scene, even even the the donkey and the camel, they're all looking at Jesus. Hmm. They're all being held together. That scene is being held together by the by the Christ child in the middle. So it's almost like Jesus is a is a point of gravity. He's the center of gravity yes. for the scene in the same way that, you know, you and I can be in the United States and somebody can be on the other side of the world in in Australia or in Japan, but it's not that we're on top of the earth and they're on the bottom of the right. earth because everyone is drawn by the force of gravity to the center of the earth. Exactly. So in a certain sense, Jesus is like the gravity that's holding all these things together no matter where they might be. Right. That's fascinating. And, and it's not just... Um, I think what the, the turn I want to make in this sermon is that it's not just... Uh, it's not just an attention thing. Jesus is not just holding the attention of all these figures around him. Um, but but moving on to verse nineteen here, this is, talks a little bit about the nature of the the um, middleness that that Christ has, the nature of the attention that he's actually drawing. It says, "For God was pleased to have all of His fullness dwell in Him," meaning Jesus, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And so you not only have this this idea that um, the Christ child in the middle is just sort of captivating and uh, is sort of drawn the attention of the figures, right? We, we, we often forget that, you know, we, we look at the nativity scene and we think, oh, well, look how cute and cuddly the baby is. Um, and that's why everybody's looking at him. No, I think the nativity set has something to tell us, and, and particularly when, it, when it's used um, in coordination with Colossians, that actually this is a reconciling move that the mm. baby Jesus in the middle of this scene is doing, that all of a sudden... Um, the, the rich, educated magi on the right side of the set and the, the poor, relatively uneducated shepherds on the left, 
in relation to Jesus, they're at the exact same position. Wow. They're, they're, they're no closer and no further away, right? They're all drawn together. And in some ways, they become brethren when that happens, right? They are reconciled together, not by uh, earthly standards around them, but rather by what's in the middle of them, which is Christ the Lord. You know, if I think about translating this into the life of faith today, yeah, whether that be in uh, your church family or your the workplace or the marketplace or your own kind of biological family, I can't think personally about a single area of my life where I couldn't stand to do some work of reconciliation. Sure, um, <laughs> you know, and 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 there are there are all kinds of ways. Whether we're talking about you know wealth or whether we're talking about um, Relationships, yes, whether we're yes. talking about um, uh, race or ethnicity, right? Uh, whether we're talking about just kind of um, what what back, kind of background that you come from. I mean, there. I mean, this stuff. This will preach, won't it? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, like, how how would you draw some of those parallels into our contemporary life? Well, I think um, you know, reconciliation is a very heavy word, and in all the regards that you just mentioned, um, all those things need to be addressed. I, I think. Um, the, the prayer of St. Francis is really powerful, and it's something that I want to actually have us pray together on the 27th. Um, and it goes something like this. Lord, make me an instrument of thy peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying to self that we are born to eternal life. Is there a better Christmas message for us this season than that prayer? I, I think not. So when we when we talk about what it might look like for us to be a part of Christ's middleness, to be a part of Christ's ministry of reconciliation with all the world, to actually be in the in the manger itself with the body of Christ, reconciling um, to Christ all the the, the world, um, I think this is an, a fantastic prayer um, that gives us sort of the uh, upside downness of the gospel, right? That where that where there is fear, that there would be hope, that where there is injury, there would be forgiveness, that where there is um, hatred, there would be love, and where there is death, there would be life. Um, and so I think we all need to wrestle with what exactly that looks like in our contemporary um, setting. I think our church is doing some fantastic things to say, where, where in our community do we see poverty, and how can we make that a place of abundance? Hmm. Um, where, where in our community do we see broken relationships, and where can we, where can we make that a place of family? Yeah. Right. Um, and so I think that the church is doing a fantastic job of that, um, and that's something that's very, very important this time of season. And hopefully, uh, it'll send us on a trajectory to keep doing that in the new year. I like where you're wanting to push that scripture passage, and and after you read the passage from Colossians. And then started sharing with us and for us the prayer of Saint Francis. Um, it it made me think about. Uh, it made me move in my own mind from the teaching of Peter in Colossians. Sorry, the teaching of Paul in Colossians to the teaching of Peter in the second le- letter of Peter. Hmm. So when you say you, you know you shared with us the passage from Colossians where it says that in Christ the fullness of of deity or the fullness of God dwelt bodily. Yes. Okay. So yes. the fullness of and then if you look over, if you can kind of connect that with the teaching of Peter, I mean, when I hear you sharing that prayer from St. Francis, it's 
it, it's as if the work, the reconciling work of Christ, th- that we get caught up in that. Yeah. There's a, there's a way in which we become agents of reconciliation when we find ourselves in Christ. Right. There's no way around it. Yeah, if you yeah. are in Christ, you right. will be. And right. if you're not doing that, then that's a sign that you're not in Christ, exactly. right? And if you if you turn over to First Peter, sorry, Second Peter chapter one, so the second letter of Peter chapter one, starting with verse three, Peter writes, His divine power has given us everything needed. Hmm. His divine power has given us everything needed for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Thus he has given us through these things his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may escape from the corruption that is in the world because of lust and may become participants in the divine nature. Mm-hmm. That phrase the early church fathers, especially the, the Eastern early church fathers, mm-hmm. about the phrase that Peter says about being becoming a participant in the divine nature, right. being caught up into the life of God so that the, so that the gifts God shares, so that the goodness of God is born out in our very lives. I, I think that's exactly right, Andrew. And I think you know, if, we, if we pay attention to what we actually say when we have these sacraments proper in our congregation, we see that same language, right? We see... Um, Pour out your Holy Spirit on us and on these gifts gathered here. Make them be for us the body in Christ, uh, the the body and blood of Christ. So that what? So that we may be for the world the the body of Christ, redeemed by His blood. Right? There's a transforming quality to these sacraments that we that we participate in, both sacraments proper and both sort of the sacramental imagination that I think can really teach us how to become that that presence of Christ in the world if we'll only have eyes to see. Well, that's fantastic, Todd. And I really look forward to seeing how you're going to take those very rich biblical images and locate them in the very earthy image, which itself is also biblical, of the nativity set itself. Well, folks, that's about all the time we have for Behind the Sermon. Be sure to go on the social media platform of your choice and like, share, or comment. And we'll see you next time very soon. (laughs) Well, very soon. Very soon, we'll be with you again in the, in the near future, next time on Behind the Sermon. Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas.